When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So it's uh, all to play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hello, everybody, and welcome to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. Utmost apologies to my distinguished guest, number one, and also to everybody who's been waiting uh, for this because uh, I know that Aston Villa fans are on tender hooks in the hope, I think, or maybe, I don't know, is it expectation or hope that uh, Matteo Alamini will um, rock up a Villa Park at some stage, I think, in the next few months. But obviously, I've done a piece on, on him previously, but realistically, the piece I did, was internet-based, you know, Google is a great, Dr. Google can be a great friend at times, but I wanted to get the 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 real kind of um, lowdown on um, what Mr. Alemany did uh, within Barcelona to obviously help them during their tough times. And who better to talk to than Samuel Marsden from uh, the Siempre Positivo podcast? Did I, was my was my pronunciation okay on that one, Samuel? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. This, 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 yeah. The Siempre, Siempre Positivo is actually, um, it's actually mispronounced anyway. It comes from a famous Louis van Gaal press conference and he's uh he's actually saying siempre negativo and he's saying it, he says it in a really funny spanish accent so you can kind of get away with saying it how you want for the did, for that reason did he kind of do the um what was your man's name steve oh, the wally with the body i can't remember his 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 surname when he tried steve to McLaren, do the, yeah, steve mclaren the... when he tried to do the dutch accent when he was talking to the reporter was it something like that <laughs> i think it was more just just the natural sort of um the dutch spanish accent the way he was speaking just like do siempre yes. negativa siempre negativa <laughs> Like an F, it's it like a famous one, yeah. About Rivaldo, I think it was. About Rivaldo, yeah. And he didn't turn out too bad, though, did he? Rivaldo certainly no. didn't. Um, but um, yeah, as I said, I, I wanted to chat with you with regards to this because um, obviously, you know, I, I'm not going to going to denigrate my own club. Obviously, I love the club. Look, just just look behind me to see how much effort and and uh, investment I think that I put into the club. But you know. Early in our kind of transition under the likes of Unai Emery and our great owners, we didn't really expect to kind of be linked with somebody like the Alemany. Now, we were linked with Antonio Cardon from um, from Betis previously, and it looked for all the world he was going to come in. But then the news breaks on Tuesday night, Wednesday night, that um, Matteo Alemany was going to come into, um, to, to, it looks like he's going to come to Aston Villa. Obviously, the, the ink isn't drying the contract yet, and we always have to be wary about that. Um, but can you tell me a small little bit about the time he spent at Barcelona? Because, uh, you know, Barcelona have been going through an awful lot of transition, I suppose, over the last two years after Bart- Bartomeu. 
Yeah, yeah. So, so Aliman's arrived at Barcelona in summer, spring, summer 2021, with the re-election of Joan Laporta for his second spell as president. And obviously, that first summer he had at Barcelona was chaotic, to say the least. It was a summer that Messi left because Barca couldn't afford to afford to renew his contract within La Liga's parameters. So he basically arrived at a club that couldn't afford to do anything. And over the next sort of that summer and then last summer, I guess he's had two full summers now and then he's prepared for this summer. A couple of Januaries. I mean, his work in last January was was really good. I mean, it doesn't sound that good when you look at it back now and you say that they signed Dani Alves, Adama Traore, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang um, on basically for nothing. Lots of them were arrived for nothing, but it, it worked really well for the club, the way he structured those deals, got them within the fair play. Aubameyang scored about 13 goals. Uh, Alves added a bit of, you know, experience. Adama Traore would have impacts off the... Off the bench, they also signed Ferran Torres from, from Manchester City for a fee, that one. Um, but those four signings helped Barca climb from sort of ninth in the Premier League, in the Premier League, in La Liga, um, up to second, to finish second when it looked like they... It actually, it seems mad to say it now, but it did actually look for a while that maybe they would miss out on the on the top four. But that January sort of added the depth, added the goals, and, and they got over the line. Um, but I guess his most important work was then the, the, the summer that we just had where... It's not so much that he's the one that's targeting these players either. He's the one that sort of knows how La Liga's fair play works, how the financial side of things works, how to make tick all the boxes in terms of getting the deals done, in terms of negotiating, obviously good with contacts, as opposed to being, you know, a talent spot. I mean, he's not gone out and said, oh, look, this Robert Lewandowski looks like a good striker. Um, but he's been able to sort of come up with the ways for Barca to sign Lewandowski, to sign Rafinha, to sign Jules Koundé. Um, within La Liga's financial fair play rules, within, you know, the, the famous levers, the famous asset sales that obviously made lots of headlines last year. He was obviously heavily involved in that, in sort of generating the money that Barca, Barca managed to generate to be able to do those signings. So I'd say they're, they're his strengths, really, the, the negotiation side of things, the numbers side of things, the, the getting deals done as opposed to, I mean, he's not a, he's not a talent spotter per se. Mm. Yeah, he's more of, more of a football administrator. And I suppose that does dovetail nicely with his background of law and accounting as well, you know, with his master's degrees and so on. So we would expect that. And to be honest with you, on the footballing side, we here at Aston Villa, we do have Christian Perslow, who does seem to be um, immersing himself more in the infrastructural developments at Aston Villa now. So there is actually an opening for that. And and, and it's an interesting that you led with that and that you mentioned that because um, in a previous podcast I did, I spoke about the structure that Barcelona have, obviously under Jean Laporta. And then you've got... Um, uh, Jordi Cruyff there as well, you know that that working with a, I suppose a, a, a so I I don't know what a sport I I don't know the difference between a director of football and a sporting director. So if I get it wrong, I get it wrong. But obviously the two of them have interchangeable kind of titles, whichever one is the right one for them. So we obviously have Johan Lange in our club as well. That's um, that it seems to be the the scouting and um, analytics guy that's in there from from uh, from that point of view. So what you mentioned to me there. Has my hunch correct? I think that there may be kind of a dovetailing between the two of the two of those guys, which is which is really interesting. And you and you mentioned this that he he kind of worked the fair play market or the 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 contract contractual status, you know, with obviously having your wage bill at a certain percentage of your 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 earnings and so on. Um, like, can you give us an insight as to how difficult that was? Because you know, you read in the newspaper, Barcelona are days from going out of business was it ever that close and did he really have to work wonders in the in, in the transfer market to do that i mean it's, it's a nice headline i don't ever think it was really that close <laughs> i mean it's true that they were in if, if it was a not look if it was a normal business if it was you know a normal sort of business not to do with sports not to do with football maybe they would have maybe they would have gone out but just the element of 
of it being a football club, the guaranteed sort of income that they have from, from television rights. I mean, I know they've been bad in the Champions League this season, but given the well, the last two seasons, but given the way La Liga is, it's very hard for them not to qualify for the Champions League as opposed to the Premier League, where you could perhaps see, you know, as we've seen this season, you know, Newcastle, even Brighton knocking on the door on the chance for a Liverpool or a Chelsea to miss out. It's unlikely that Barca or Madrid miss out on the on the Champions League. So there's a lot of guaranteed income there. They've got a lot of sort of loans from sort of Goldman Sachs and and stuff. So they're sort of hedged and sort of tied into a lot of debt. But I never ever I never thought and never had the sensation they would they would completely go out of business because at the end of the day they still have assets as well. Before they go out of business, they would have had to sell a Pedri or a, yeah. or a Gavi, you know, who's going to bring in a lot of money. Or I mean, they tried they tried unsuccessfully to sell Frankie De Jong, who didn't want to go. Um, but yeah, so they still had assets which would have before going out of business would have happened. So I never thought that would happen. But to be able to go from that to being on the sort of brink of, of we say, of bankruptcy or whatnot, to be able to spend 150 million last summer, um, yeah, was a stroke of genius really from Matthew Eliman. And like you say, because of his legal background, because of his administrative background, because he'd worked at Mallorca before, his I think his two years at Valencia stand out as well. You know the way he sort of. Um, cut their squad down and then sort of helped them sort of rebuild and they finished in the Champions League two years running. They won the Copa del Rey, beating Barca in the final and he only left there because of a, a bust up with Peter Lim. Obviously, it's a very temperamental club. Um, but he, I think his work at Valencia was arguably, arguably better given the circumstances than his work at Barcelona. And if you look at how Valencia have done since he left, just been down, 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 down. And, you know, they're in a relegation battle this year. It's a genuine possibility that they could could go down. Um, but at Barcelona, yeah, he just knew how the fair play worked. He reacted to certain things in terms of selling club assets. I mean, whether it's whether it will be good what he did or not in, in the long run, um, we'll see. But, you know, selling a percentage of the, the television earnings to help them have money to spend last summer, obviously they'll be paying for that every year moving forward. Um, and just selling other areas of the club. I mean, it's a big contention of debate at Barcelona whether they should sort of, in theory, they're fan-owned. Um, but obviously they're selling mm. off part club and you know there's this fear among some members that they would sell off the whole club and um, all that they would like to um, but they found a way to do it without having to do that and Aliman gets a lot of credit for that for working the numbers um yeah to be able to fund the signings which I mean Barca are going to win the league for the first time in in four years and even yeah. though he's dipped off in the second half of the season even though Rafinha and Kunde perhaps not have been as impressive as you'd hoped I mean the free signing of Anderlecht Christensen has been fantastic it's because of that business that they did last summer without that business last summer they're not at this point that they're at now about yeah. to first league title in four years yeah and that, that was actually going to be my next question is that a lot of um English Premier League fans you know they're they're familiar with some of the names that moved over there obviously the Ferran Torres um and Andreas Christensen and and Aston Villa fans eyes are wide opening wide when you see uh links to the likes of those two players I personally think it would take a uh, take uh, uh, a Pirates bounty to get Andreas Christensen out of there but has he been he he seems to have been somebody that has been a real jewel in the crown for for Barcelona considering they signed him for nothing he's coming he's kind of he's been a an old head at 27 years of age in that back line with the likes of Eric Garcia. And he more or less, am I right in saying he more or less kind of made the transition from the likes of a PK way, way easier for, for Barcelona? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the transition, that, I mean, this has been, PK obviously was there for the first part of the season. Barca breaking defensive records this season. Sometimes you think it's in part due to, not luck, but sort of like they've been lucky to have 25 clean sheets. There have been moments when you thought, and it might have been that they've won 3-0, but there have been a couple of, there have been lots of 1-0s where they've been hanging on at the end. I mean, there's a skill to that. Um, mm. But it feels slightly like the statistics, the fact that they've kept 25 clean sheets and they've conceded just 11 goals in is it 33 games now, 32 games now in La Liga. They're on sort of track to, to break records there. 
um, is incredible. And yeah, that in large part, not just due to Christensen, but also to Ronald Araujo, who formed those two have formed a really yes. good partnership. Araujo is obviously someone who's come in from Uruguay through the B team and is, you know, people at Barca, some people want to champion him as the, the best defender in the world right now. But Christensen has probably been just as good this season. I mean, the problem with Christensen is he does get little injuries every now and again and he miss a couple of weeks here or there. But I mean, no one would argue with you that he's probably been Barca's best signing this season, ahead of Lewandowski, ahead of Rafinha, ahead of Kunde, ahead of Frank Kessie. And it's funny because at the time, obviously, Rudiger came to Real Madrid from, yes. from Chelsea also for free. And there was sort of, I mean, there's a lot of doom and gloom around Barcelona in recent years, but there was sort of doom and, not doom and gloom. They didn't write off Christensen, but they were like, this is typical Barca-Madrid. Madrid get the get the best one and Barca end up with Christensen. But it's been complete reverse. I mean, Rudiger's not always been in the Real Madrid team. Obviously, there's competition for places with Alaba and Militao. Hasn't always played that well. He's had some good moments, but Christensen has perhaps been, yeah, the outstanding signing for, for Barca. Um, and yeah, the problem is they're still, even with Ali Manj works and the, and the, the better financial situation they're in, there's still a matter of fact that they need to raise money. Christensen's not someone they want to sell at all. Um, not someone Javi wants to sell at all. Javi absolutely, absolutely loves him. Javi's been big in recent weeks saying, oh, this was my signing. This was a player I wanted um, and sort of wanting the credit for that. Um, but the fact of the matter is, yeah, if someone offers, you know, 80 million, you know, I think it would have to be a big fee for Christensen. I mean, I think you're talking over sort of 70 million when you look at the defensive market in recent years and you look at what Premier League clubs have paid for defenders but given Barca given their financial needs if people started testing the water at 40 or 50 million you can you can never mm. say never at Barcelona um, but yeah I mean the thing with Christensen is because he arrived for free um, anything that he goes for is complete profit yeah and, and that kind of brings me on to my next question I have two more questions for you and then I'll let you back to the rest of your day but um, who do you think that Barcelona could look to maybe move on from because you mentioned Ferran Torres, you mentioned um, Gunde, you mentioned uh, Rafinha there. They were the big money signings. Well, uh, Ferran Torres and, 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 uh, and Rafinha were. Do you think Barcelona are ready to move on from those guys yet? And, and obviously there's a bit of a selfish kind of view in this because I personally think the Ferran Torres is exactly what Aston Villa need. But obviously coming from a Barcelona to Aston Villa, you know, from from the um, from Barcelona to the Bullring mightn't, uh, mightn't exactly tantalise him. But do you think that, that, that there are players there that, that Barcelona would be ready to move on from, you know, to try and, uh, try and, and, and lessen the load within their squad? Yeah, I mean, he wouldn't be the first. A few have gone from Barcelona to the ball ring in recent years. Louis, Louis yeah. Barry started the trend. Felipe Coutinho, now Ali Yeah, I, I was going to say that, that there was the first thing when this guy was mentioned, when Ali Man was, was mentioned, was that, uh, oh my God, he's the guy that sold us Coutinho. I don't know whether I want him in the club. Yeah, yeah, and he got but, a lot of, uh, he's, that's, that's the other thing. He's got a lot of credit here in Barcelona for some of the work he's done in terms of moving on players. Yeah. yeah. Um, players that previously they couldn't get rid of, guys like Coutinho, uh, Samuel Umtiti. Um, Clement mm. Longley um, and even though they're only on loans he's, he did well to get them off the, the wage bill and restructure how much they're earning but um, yeah coming back to Fed Antonis I mean he's one of Barca don't want to explicitly say I mean they haven't won La Liga officially yet there's still sort of five games to go I mean they'll probably win it next weekend they don't want to unsettle things too much and say look this guy is for sale this guy isn't for sale but yeah there is obviously a list of priorities in normal circumstances they wouldn't want to sell you know a lot of players you know but in the current situation they have to entertain offers and Ferran Torres is certainly one of them and Sufati is one of them probably those two both ahead of Rafinha but Rafinha is also one of them just simply because a he has a big market in the Premier League and b he plays in the same position as Usman Dembele c that's a position where Messi also plays if there was any possibility of sort of doing a Messi deal so if you know there was a big money offer for Rafinha 
which would help bring Messi back. You'd have Messi and Dembele on the right. There would be less need for Rafinha, who's had a fairly solid season. The only, that's like I say, it's just completely circumstances which would lead to Barca considering offers for him. And because they paid so much for him last summer, it would have to be a big, big mm. offer. Um, Ferran Torres' situation is quite slightly different. He's enjoyed less minutes than Rafinha. He's further down the pecking order. Um, he's certainly one that Barca would listen to offers for. The, the main problem with Ferran Torres is not if he would go to Villa, but if he would leave Barcelona. Obviously, he only came in. He's only been at the club 18 months. He's still young. He still feels he can succeed at the club. He doesn't particularly want to leave. And we've seen what players can do when they dig their heels in, like Frankie de Jong last summer. Yeah. He's been incredible this, this season and kept his place when people said he wouldn't play. Um, so, yeah, Ferran Torres might look at that and think, I can stay, I can get minutes, I can get a chance. Um, but, yeah, Barca certainly entertain offers for, for Ferran Torres and when we look at offers for Barca's players, pretty much the only clubs that can afford what they're going to want when you consider what they paid for some of them is, is are the Premier League clubs. Yeah. And and Villa fans, a lot of Villa fans are getting repetitive stress disorder by crossing their fingers that Unai Emery can be that draw if we don't get into Europe for maybe, maybe a Spanish player because uh, he's worked absolute wonders at this club since he's come in. It's amazing what a small bit of management can do and, and he's certainly done done that as well. You preempted my very last question. Obviously, we can't, uh, we, we can't end this. I can't not talk to you about who I believe is the best player of all time in Leo Messi. Um, Chances of him coming back to Barcelona? Yeah, I mean, steps are happening towards it, towards it happening. Um, obviously, this week, the, with what's gone in, in Paris, I mean, I know there's, I know he's breached sort of club internal rules by not going to train him and stuff. But there, from from my point of view, there's no way that happens if he's renewing. I mean, obviously, it's come out since that he won't renew, but that has happened because he's not renewing and because the club knew the relationship was coming to an end. I don't think they completely break down the relationship and leave him at the mercy of the fans if they think there's a chance that he stays or or he renews. Um, it's clear he would love to come back to Barcelona. Um, he obviously misses the city, comes back whenever he gets a chance. His his wife and kids love love being here, still has his house in Castelldefels, would love to come back for a final swan song. But it just all comes down to whether Barca can come up with an offer. I mean, he's obviously prepared to take some sort of a pay cut. Um, but whether they can get that through with La Liga, obviously they thought they could two years ago and then they couldn't. And it all broke down in August when Messi was coming back from Ibiza thinking he could renew his contract and was told he couldn't. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. Barca have had to trend, well, all clubs, all Spanish clubs have to send a viability plan to, to La Liga, yes. which was submitted last week. I think the deadline was April the 31st, April the 30th, only 30 days in April. Isn't there? And the club were we're looking at the the league is studying that now and um, Barca are waiting for an answer to see if you know the league will give them the green light in terms of the the cutbacks they're they're suggesting i mean they've already cut the club's television channel which they say was yeah. costing them 12 million a year um so yeah if they can then make cutbacks elsewhere they, i mean they've got basketball teams handball teams that all run at a loss so they're making cutbacks there as well um so they're doing all they can to make the money to fund or to further strengthen the squad this summer which would they would hope include the return of Messi, which they factor in would also, in some ways, increase earnings in certain ambits of the club. Um, I, I feel like it's at like 50-50 at the moment. And, you know, a few months ago, it was at like 1% chance, it felt like. Yeah. it's uh, Yeah. And, you know, being a football traditionalist myself, 
just Messi just belongs back in Barcelona. He just did. He's he's never looked right in that different blue and and red of of uh, Paris Saint Germain. But uh, you know he deserves to be back in 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 Catalonia as well and to finish his career there. For me, I think it would be great because as I say, I definitely think he's the best of all time. And he's uh, it's not even a question in my household um, that he's the most skillful player of all time for sure. Um, Samuel, thank you so much. And once again, I apologize for the lateness, for my, for my tardiness today. Um, everybody, uh, Samuel does some great work. And, and uh, if you're interested in in um, any more uh, insight on uh, Barcelona or uh, even via, via ESPN, Samuel does work for ESPN as well, you know, find them on Twitter as well. And also their podcast. There's free uh, episodes of their podcast out on each Monday, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was Monday, Monday yeah. I listened to it. And then there's Monday, also... Yeah. Yeah, there's also uh, on Patreon as well. I think I listened to the last one. You had you guys had it up on Patreon, and 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 it was there for everybody to listen to. And it, you guys do talk about Alemany in there as well. Yeah, so, yeah. What what um, happened was we were late, like we were late as well this week with the Monday podcast because we had a few um, personal clashes on the Monday. So we were late with that. We published it on the Tuesday and promised that we'd make because there was a double game week with Osasuna on the Tuesday. We said we make the Wednesday one free, and then it all kicked mm. off with Aliman. So so we got the Aliman one out for free as well. Yeah. And thank you as well for not for for not but jumping in and and with my horrible pronunciation at the start of the podcast. If any of the eagle-eared listeners out there were able to uh, able to figure out that I just completely one hundred and eighteen changed the pronunciation of the man's name uh, mid podcast after I heard you pronounce the man's name um, because I was putting the Y on the end of it, and I should have known because uh, Luis Miguel Etigueri uh, told me to stop pronouncing the Y, but I completely uh, forgot. So yeah, I, it, it kind of, it kind of means the German. Is it? Okay. Catalan, well, then that yeah. makes more sense. That makes <laughs> more sense. So the pronunciation, it, do, it definitely does. Well, I really, really thank you, Samuel, for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. And um, to everybody that's been listening, as I say, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I hope it's given you more insight. I know it has given you more insight into Barca, into, into Alemán, um, around Barcelona and uh, some of the transfers that he brought in there as well. So um, thank you once again, uh, Samuel, and to everybody that's listening. I hope you stay safe and you stay healthy. And all that's left to say is up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network.